Pretty much come up with a new business model, <laughs> how to run the golf course for a while. And we were walking only, people booked uh, tee times online, paid, uh, you know, online. So we had to completely change how we did things. Welcome to Insider, the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Our topic, the Murfreesboro Golf Department with director Trey Adams. Trey Adams is with us in our studio here in the city council chambers. Thanks, Trey, for joining us. Yeah, glad to be here. Thank you. Let's start with uh, your background before you came here. I think you came in around 2018. Uh, what were you doing before you became director of golf? Before I came here previously, I was at the Mississippi State University Golf Course. Uh, <clears throat> I was there for around four and a half years and served in a couple different roles there as both an assistant golf professional and then also um, I spent some time as uh, their business coordinator handling kind of all their finances, and also taught golf there. So served in several <laughs> several different capacities while I was I there. assume not everyone who uh, is a director of a golf program plays golf. Probably a lot of people do, but you, you played in college. Uh, that's correct, yeah. Um, I'm sure there's different avenues, but I, I played two years in junior college. Of course, grew up playing golf, played in high school, played uh, um, a lot of junior tournaments in the summer, but uh, got a chance to go play – could have played for a four-year school at a smaller school, but um, wanted to play um, close, you know, fairly close to home. Chose uh, East Mississippi Community College. They had a campus in Startville, and uh, played two years there on the team. Some of the best times of my life. Had we traveled all over, played golf, hung out with. We had about eight guys on the team, and it was uh, just an incredible time. Was that the team that won a state championship? No, that was in high school. So we, okay. uh, in high school, we won two state championships. We had a pretty, we were a very small school with, you know, I don't know, uh, I guess it's a similar classification system to what Tennessee uses, but we were a, at the time a 2A school. So we had, in my graduating class was about 60 people, but everybody on those two state championship teams played college golf somewhere. Um, and so uh, we won two, uh, and then my junior year finished uh, as an individual runner-up in the state, finished second. So, you're a PGA Class A member and a Callaway Certified Golf Fitter. What are, what, what do those mean? What are those? Uh, so, as a PGA member, once once I finished uh, college there at East Mississippi playing golf, uh, transferred to Mississippi State. Uh, they've got a golf management program. It's one of about there's a hand, there's not there's no there's not as many as twenty somewhere in the fifteen to twenty range. It, it varies year to year, but. Uh, um, so in that program, uh, depends on what school you go to, but at Mississippi State, you get a business administration degree in marketing. And along with that, you take kind of one extra class a semester, plus you go on three different internships while you're in school. So it takes a little extra time with the internships. Uh, and you're studying, um, studying golf, studying how to manage a golf course, how to, you know, run tournaments, teach, just all aspects of the game from the, the golf course management, not necessarily much with the the turf grass part of it, you got to learn how to communicate with those people, um, but more of the, the, the golf side of things, um, operation side of things. And um, so once you complete, there's three levels. There's a qualifying level where you got to play 36 holes. You've got to shoot a certain score. you got to play 36 holes in one day. Um, you got to shoot a certain score. You pass a rules test, and then you have three levels. And they have different topics. Each level has five or so different areas that you focus on such as tournament operations or merchandising or uh, you know staff managing staff uh, di different types of 
issues like that. Once you get, go through each level, you test on it. Uh, if you pass your playing ability test, pass all three levels, then you become a PGA member. And, and so that's what all that's about. That's all of correct. not just some training and education, but performing. Correct. Yeah, it's kind of a mix of both. And what about the Callaway fitter? So uh, there's several major golf companies. Callaway is one of them. Um, you can go through different companies. I've been through other programs uh, with different companies, but it's just an it's a uh, now it's a lot of online training. Several hours. We, of course, we did club fitting. We learned how to do club fitting as part of the PGA program. But then you kind of go to each of those golf companies because their equipment's a little bit different. And uh, so you learn about their specific equipment and their their approach to fitting people for golf clubs. That's one of the things that we do, you know, that I've done uh, both at Mississippi State and currently here at Old Fort is, uh, you know, come in. People, you can spend two or three thousand dollars on a set of clubs. So if you spend that much money, you might as well make sure that they're right for you and it's a very small fee to do that um, couple two three hour process and uh, so just understanding the numbers understanding what clubs people need basically is callaway the company that was known for the big bertha or was that someone else that's callaway yep that's callaway so they came out with that large club head they're one of the first ones to develop a, a large larger driver than what other companies had very forgiving very forgiving. Uh, now, nowadays, every company has kind of maxed out the size of their driver to the, the limit set forth by uh, USGA, which kind of um, enforces all the rules. So you can't get by with a really huge head if you're in, you know, a professional. Uh, Cor- correct. There's a certain maximum size, and now they all, all the companies kind of bump up to that size. They don't go bigger than that. But they're all that size. During the pandemic, of course, life has changed for all of us in many ways. Sure. Uh, how has golf changed during COVID? Sure. Um, you know, at first we were kind of in the same boat as everyone else, where we're trying to kind of figure out what, what to do, what's going on. Um, and, you know, initially we, we had scheduled maintenance. We have to airify the greens. Uh, for people that don't know, basically you have to punch holes in the greens to allow, allow the grass to breathe. If you can imagine... Uh, we get two or three, two, at least 200 people a day walking on a small area, and so that really compacts the, the grass. So you go in, pull kind of cores of grass about the size of a nickel out of the ground that's six or so inches deep, just to allow it to breathe. We'd already scheduled to do that at the 1st of April uh, in 2020, and um, at the end of March, I think that's kind of when things got crazy. So we went ahead, and the weather was great, so we went ahead and closed for two days to do that process, which is we'd, we'd normally have to be closed for anyway. Um, that we spent another week or so closed. Uh, the, going back to the PGA, they had some great resources for us. Uh, we had kind of an Excel spreadsheet going throughout the courses throughout the state of Tennessee. They kind of did it on a, a state-by-state basis because everybody kind of had some different guidelines. But uh, we all kind of gave her input on best practices and different things. And so we kind of found a plan, how to pretty much come up with a new business model, <laughs> how to run the golf course for a while. And we were walking only, people booked uh, tee times online, paid uh, you know, online. So we had to completely change how we did things. After several months when things slowly started to return to normal, people found out, even during that initial phase, but even later, you know, people started working from home, teleworking, uh, people, you know, had a lot of extra free time, maybe they, uh, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't working, um, and with other things being closed or shut down, golf is an activity, you play outdoors with four people or less, and generally, you don't 
you know, unless you're riding in a golf cart together, if you're walking, um, you know, and you want to stay distant, it's a good sport to do that. So you saw an increase. Absolutely. Uh, since July of 2020, which is when things started to get a little more normal, um, we've, in a normal, obviously the city operates off a of physical year, so we track it both off a calendar year and a physical year. But since July 2020 to this past June, so this last fiscal year, we did about 10,000 more rounds of golf than we would normally do. So it's been uh, 50,000 people play golf at Old Fort last year. Now, prior to that, there had been some discussion. This is a national issue where golf had been on decline. Yeah, obviously it, it's uh, – with it, golf being kind of a, a sport that's um, cost a little bit more to get into in some ways, um, it's very much predicated on the economy, how well the economy's doing, if people have extra money to go spend uh, or not. And uh, if they do, then golf is doing pretty well. If they don't, it's definitely one of the first things typically people might cut out of their budget. Um, and so there's been two really big things that have affected the golf industry in the last 20 or so 25 years that have really been a major um where we've seen a big increase in the number of rounds played one is tiger woods early 2000s mm -hmm. in his heyday um not not only was you know maybe the economy good back then not an economist but from what I understand, the economy was doing pretty well. But also golf uh, with Tiger Woods, he kind of showed that the game could be played by more than maybe the typical subset of people that, you know, mm -hmm. that played golf before. And uh, so that was a big driving force in the game. Saw a lot of golf courses being built, a lot of new people playing golf, and COVID has had the same impact. We've seen a ton of new people taking up the sport a lot of people that maybe you know one time had a set of clubs played a time or two and now they've got all this free time on their hands they can't go the, to the concerts and they can't go to you know some of the events they've typically gone to and they've come back to golf and uh, it's it really seen a big increase up this past year I had the opportunity to see Tiger play in the early 2000s in Tulsa for the U.S. Open and the crowd that followed him at the time versus everyone else was so huge absolutely um, th there are other players that are emerging like that now right that uh, are getting a following like that yeah absolutely um, you know of course in Tiger's heyday and still to some extent uh, it, this past, especially this past year Phil Mickelson is obviously that that way um, Obviously, he's getting a little bit older now, but there are certainly some some young guys that, that that are coming up that people do like to follow. None have really become as dominant as he was. Um, I think he was a little bit ahead of the curve as far as fitness and training and um, you know trying to just maximize every aspect that he could. And now I think a lot of the players or all the players are doing that now. So. Um, that may have been an advantage at the time that he had. So there's still there's a lot of good young players. There's there, but probably not anybody quite to that level still. But there are some big names out there for sure. What programs do you offer here in Murfreesboro to uh, either entice people uh, to take up golf or to experiment with it or to enhance the program? Sure. Um, yeah, that's definitely been one of our focuses. Try to make the game more. Uh, appealing to a wide variety of people and we try to make it accessible to as many people as we can we've done a couple different things uh recently we were uh this past year the tennessee disability coalition uh gave us a grant to purchase an adaptive golf cart um and uh, kind of started with the lady's story who 
she used to play golf. She was in a car wreck. She lost her mobility. Um, and so an adaptive cart is, is basically a single person golf cart that has a seat that will raise up, move. So they're, they're kind of buckled into the, the seat. It'll allow them to drive wherever they need to go. It'll, the seat will raise up and turn to the side and then they can swing, their clubs kind of go on the front of the cart so they can grab their clubs, drive up to their ball, turn the seat to the side and, and, and play. Um, so we've been able to purchase that uh, and that's available for anybody that needs you know, that, that type of cart when they come play. Um, so hopefully that's an opportunity for some new people that maybe weren't able to play or at least at Old Fort to play mm -hmm. uh, the game. We've also, um, as far as just making the game accessible, you know, I think a lot of these other sports, uh, maybe soccer in general, my son has started playing soccer. He's four now. You know, they do a great job of getting kids uh, involved in the game early. And um, golf can be a hard sport to get into. You know, with soccer, you buy maybe some cleats and a ball and, and, and off you go. And with golf, you need clubs and you need golf balls and equipment. And just even knowing how to get started or where to start can be, you know, uh, a little bit tough, but uh, we started a program thanks to a partnership with the Tennessee Golf Foundation and the Scott Stallings Kids Play Free program. He's a, Scott Stallings, a PGA Tour player from Tennessee that has gotten a um, program that started up in Knoxville on some courses there where he's been able to help raise some money to allow kids to play golf at absolutely no cost. There's clubs there for them to use. Uh, they basically just register for the program. They go play golf. Doesn't cost a penny. Do they have to approve income or anything, or nope. they just register? Absolutely, open Very to nice. anybody. Doesn't they don't have to live in the county or the? And so we've expanded. They've they've been able to uh, through working with them. We've been able to expand that program to Bloomfield Links. That started in April of this year. And so basically, if you've got a child that's under the age of 18, they can play. They you know no matter their age, they can play up to their 18th birthday for absolutely no cost at Bloomfield Links. And you provide the clubs. We provide clubs if they don't have any. We've got 12 or so right and left-handed for different ages, uh, sets of clubs over there. We've got golf balls, we've got tees. Uh, there's absolutely nothing that they need to, to get started. So if someone went over to Bloomfield Links, they would just have to fill out some paperwork and, and they could probably play we, right then? We do the registration process at Old Fort just because we need to put some information in a computer. We don't have all those systems there. But uh, once they it, – it's a – takes three minutes to fill out a little half-page form. We get a, some basic information that we need to track for the grant, for the purpose of the grant. And we'll get them a membership card, and then they just take that over to Bloomfield Links. Uh, we do have a, a, someone with an iPad over there. They'll just track the, the, the round of golf played for grant purposes. They'll get them golf clubs if they need them, um, and off they go. While we're talking about youth, uh, even prior to you coming here to Murfreesboro, um, the golf department initiated a really strong uh, youth golf program. Absolutely. Uh, talk about that a little bit and how successful that has been. Yeah, so the previous director of golf, uh, Tracy Wilkins, he was instrumental in getting the Bloomfield Links course built, which is a little six-hole par three course. Um, and so that's certainly just a phenomenal facility to be able to introduce kids to the game. Uh, and uh, he – found or, or, or knew of uh, another PGA member by the name of Jax Wilson. And they uh, together started a program over there called Bloom, the Bloomfield Linksters Program. And if you just basically imagine Little League Baseball, but for golf, that's kind of what it is. Um, so they have a spring program 
uh, well, they call it summer, but they start late spring. So there's a summer program and a fall program. Each one runs for eight to 10 weeks. Um, there's a six to nine year old division. There's a 10 to 12 year old division as well. And uh, we had about 35 kids in each of those divisions for both the summer and the fall series. Fall series get started now. Um, and basically it's a few practices a week for the first few weeks. And then they end up on a team, they get a jersey, and it's a five person format where they're on a team with uh, you know uh, five kids at a time. They play what's commonly referred to in golf as a scramble where each kid hits a shot, they pick the best one, and they go till they That's what I the like to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Takes the pressure off the, uh, the individual. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so that program has been phenomenal. We've, you know, 150 or so have gone through that program this year alone. Uh, it, there is a cost involved in that, but it's very minimal. It's about $80. Uh, hopefully at some point that maybe there's an opportunity there for that grant to kick in. Uh, through maybe an approval process for children that maybe would not be able to afford that program. Um, and that's more of, is that more of a competitive program? It sounds like they do have some games there, or some competition. There, there is some competition to it, but it's very, uh, it's still a very introductory level program. Um, and it, so although it, it introduces them to competition in a team format, it's still a very relaxed, fun environment. What's the PGA HOPE program? That's fairly new as well, right? It's been going on for a while, but it's new to the city. It's new to us. Uh, I actually went through training in the fall of 2019. We had planned programs in 2020. Unfortunately, they, they didn't run the programs in the 2020 year. Uh, so this will this October, we're scheduled October the first Wednesday in October. Uh, we've scheduled we'll have our first session of PGA Hope and it's a six-week program uh, I guess the, the, the amount of time can vary but for us it's a six-week program and it's geared toward veterans oh. or active duty military either one and it's absolutely no cost for them to to learn the game of golf if they need golf clubs we have clubs available um, whether they played before or not it's instruction and it's you go through training so that you, you might work with people who could have injuries from from combat or, or just any number of things um, you know so it's designed to make golf accessible to, to people who potentially couldn't have played as well and that's also one of the reasons why it was important for us to try to get the grant for the adaptive cart to, to be able to provide um, different tools if necessary for people who might need them um, to take up the game but uh, it'll be a six-week program that is funded through um, the PGA Hope is a foundation um, for, that the PGA of America has to to, um, to raise money. Or excuse, well, PGA Reach is the name of the foundation, but PGA Hope is the program that they that they have geared toward veterans uh, to teach them the game of golf at no cost to them. That's great. That sounds like a great program. It, it appears as though even though you're growing in terms of you know the COVID experience, you're also trying to expand the program in whatever ways you can. Yeah, we exactly we want you know the, the 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 there are a lot of new people that are playing the game now but we I guess on the other hand want to make sure that people who never considered the game of golf maybe they couldn't play it because of uh, you know financial reasons or maybe they just had no idea it was even available you know something that they could do um, we're trying to make it so that anybody can play and I think especially now when you know, people have been inside or on lockdown this past year for some time. 
a way to get outdoors, you know, get get moving a little bit, uh, and, and obviously in a safe environment. Um, it's been important for people. The high schools that have competition, do they play on, on the uh, golf course there at Old Ford, or do they play other locations? We, they, well, they play other locations, but we do host, uh, we do host pretty much all the county high schools, some of uh, Central Magnet, um, and a few of the private uh, schools in the area as well. Um, and, of course, their season kicked off, I guess, maybe a week or two ago. And uh, they play We for the next six weeks or so. Every Tuesday, there will be at least a couple different schools out there in the afternoons playing a match. Uh, and then the, the middle school will do the same thing in the uh, springtime. Do you have any big tournaments coming up, either for high school sports or other other uh, competition for adults? Well, one of well, we have we have something going on all the time. Um, we have a men's association that plays once a month. We have a ladies league that plays every Tuesday. We have a senior league that plays every Wednesday, and those are things that we run in house that we we do every week or every month. Um, but outside of that, one of the really cool events we have coming up is, I'll have to check the date, but I believe it's Monday, August 23rd. Uh, it's actually a event for the Special Olympics, um, and they're going to be on the golf course. Uh, it's a two-person team format, so it would be maybe uh, one person with special needs grouped with an ind- you know, a, a, another individual, and uh, they will play a two-person team format, a nine-hole scramble. Um, I think we've got close to maybe 60 teams that are, are playing in that, um, and so that'll be really cool. Um, how do you learn about all these different programs? So what's the best way for someone if they want to know more? Sure. Um, so the best way is our website, uh, oldfortgolfclub.com. We'll post, we have all our programs on there, our rates, uh, information about um, you know, any of those leagues, all that information will be on the website. We also have a Facebook page, just Old Fort Golf, as well as Twitter. Um, but really, the, uh, the Facebook, or uh, the, excuse me, the website is great. When you go to the website, there's also an option to subscribe to a newsletter. We do a monthly newsletter, um, and that's going to, if you're on the website and you get that newsletter, maybe you, you like it, our Facebook page, you're going to know about everything going on there. Great. So while we wrap it up here, what's the most challenging hole on the course, in your opinion, and why? Uh, there's two or three that come to mind uh, that could be in the running, but I think, I guess most challenging for me or most challenging for maybe the average person? Let's go for you. For me, okay. So probably the most challenging hole for me is uh, – Likely, depends on the day. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, and the wind. But, and right, right. <laughs> Likely would be hole number 16. Uh, it's, it's not that there's a lot of water or, or anything like that, but it's, it's just a long straightaway par four. There, there's, it's, a, one of a, it's the double greens. If, if you play there, hole number 12 and hole number 16 uh, are, are the, it's a very large green. Very large. It's combined, and uh, so you can, you know, even if you hit two good shots, you end up on the green. You can be a long way from the hole. Um, that's that's just a tough hole to make a par on, especially if they've got the tees uh, all the way back mm-hmm. and it's into the wind or something. That it's day. typical. Those long threes or long fours are, are hard. For you sure. Know, when yeah. they're a little longer than than what you expect. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For sure. 
Well, Trey, thanks a lot for sharing this with us. It sounds like things are going well and the courses are, are in good condition. We've had good water and uh, appreciate you just being with us. Yeah, thank you, Mike. I enjoyed it. Glad to be here. Okay. Well, uh, for more information, as Trey Adams said, on the Murfreesboro Golf Department, you can visit www.oldfortgolfclub.com or you can actually call the number there, 615-896-2448. We've been highlighting the golf department with the Insider Podcast originating from City Hall. Thanks for listening via Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music Audible. You can also watch the Insider here on YouTube. Our producer is award-winning Michael Nevels. For more information on the fast-growing city of Murfreesboro, visit www.murfreesborotn.gov. Insider is the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Thanks for joining us.